0: Chapter Twenty Two of Buffalo Bill from Prairie to Palace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Buffalo Bill from Prairie to Palace by John M. Burke. The Wild West at Sea. The Wild West visited many of the principal cities of this country played a winter season in new orleans a summer season at staten island and the winter of eighteen eighty six to eighty seven in madison square garden in new york but with the immortal bard who wrote ambition grows with what it feeds on colonel cody and mr salisbury had an ambition to conquer other nations the importance of the undertaking was fully realized but nothing daunted by all that would have to be undergone to reach a foreign land and give exhibitions the owners of the wild west boldly made the venture the writer went abroad and arranged to play a season of six months in london as an adjunct of the american exhibition all arrangements being made the indians were secured the representative types of the sioux cheyenne kiowas pawnees and Ogalalas, and a number of prominent chiefs having collected a company of more than two hundred men and animals consisting of Indians, cowboys, Mexican riders, rifle shots, buffaloes, Texas steers, burros, broncos, racing horses, elk, bear, and an immense amount of paraphernalia, such as tents, wagons, stagecoach, arms, ammunition, costumes, and all equipage necessary. The steamship, City of Nebraska, Captain Bray's, was chartered. The city of Nebraska, loaded with the Wild West, set sail from New York, Thursday, March 31, 1887. The piers were crowded with thousands of good friends who went down to wave adieu and to wish the Wild West a pleasant voyage and success. As the steamship City of Nebraska pulled out of the dock, the cowboy band played The Girl I Left Behind Me, in a manner that suggested more reality than empty sentiment in the familiar air before starting on the trip a number of the indians had expressed grave fears about trusting themselves upon the mighty ocean fearing that a dreadful death would soon overtake them and it required much persuasion at the last moment to induce them to go on board red shirt explained that these fears were caused by a superstitious belief that If a red man attempted to cross the ocean, he would be seized of a malady that would first prostrate the victim, and then slowly consume his flesh, until, at length, the very skin itself would drop from his bones, leaving nothing but the skeleton, and this even would never find burial. This weird belief was repeated by the chiefs of several tribes to the Indians who had joined the Wild West, so there was little reason for wonder that the poor children of the forest should hesitate to submit themselves to such an experiment on the day following the departure from new york the indians began to grow weary and becoming seasick they were both treacherous and rebellious their fears were greatly intensified as even red shirt the bravest of his people looked anxiously toward the hereafter and began to feel his flesh see if it was really diminishing. The hopelessness stamped upon the faces of the Indians was pitiful to behold, and but for the endeavors of Buffalo Bill to cheer them up and relieve their forebodings there is no knowing what might have happened. But for two days the whole company, Indians, cowboys and all, did little other active service than to feed the fishes. On the third day all began to grow better and the indians were called into the salon and given a sermon by buffalo bill red shirt also having lost his anxiety joining in the oratory after the seasickness was over mr salisbury as singer and comedian took an active part in amusing all on board the seventh day of the voyage a fierce storm swept over the sea and the ship was forced to lay to and during its continuance the stock suffered greatly but only one horse died on the trip at last the steamship cast anchor off gravesend and a tugboat loaded with custom house and quarantine officers boarded to make the usual inspection the english government through its officials extended every courtesy a special permit was given for the animals to land and the people started for the camp The arrival of the city of Nebraska had been watched for with great curiosity, as a number of yachts, tugboats, and other craft surrounding it testified. A tug was soon seen flying the Stars and Stripes, and as it came nearer, the strains of the Star-Spangled Banner, rendered by the band on her deck, floated across the water. As the welcome strains ended, the cowboy band on the Nebraska responded with Yankee Doodle when the tug came alongside the company on board proved to be the directors of the american exhibition in london with lord ronald gower heading a distinguished committee and representatives of the leading journals of england as buffalo bill landed with the committee three cheers were given and cries rang out of welcome to old england giving pleasing evidence of the public interest that had been awakened through the coming of the wild west a special train with saloon carriages was waiting to convey the party to london and leaving behind them the old kentish town in an hour after they arrived at victoria station entering the headquarters of the exhibition buffalo bill and those who accompanied him found a bounteous repast set and a generous welcome was accorded them after brief social converse A visit was made to the grounds where hundreds of busy workmen were hastening the completion of the arena, the grandstand, and stabling for the cattle. When it is taken into consideration that these operations were dealing with an expenditure of over $130,000, the greatness of the enterprise can be understood. An arena of more than a third of a mile in circumference, flanked by a grandstand, filled with seats and boxes to accommodate twenty thousand persons sheltered stands for ten thousand more the standing-room being ten thousand will give an idea of the size of the wild west exhibition grounds the interest evinced by the british workmen in the coming of the wild west people was as a straw indicating which way the wind blew or intended to blow on the following morning when the tide was at its flood the city of nebraska steamed up the river the trip being a pleasure to all on board with the assistance of the horsemen each looking after his own horse the unloading was begun and carried on with a rapidity that astonished even the old dock hands and officials through the courtesy of the custom-house people there was hardly a moment's delay in the debarkation but although landing in london the Wild West was still 12 miles away from its city camp. Loading the entire outfit on two trains, it was speedily delivered at the Midland Railway Depot adjoining the grounds, and by 4 o'clock on the same afternoon, the horses and other animals had been stabled, watered, and fed, and the camp equipage and bedding distributed. The camp cooks were preparing the evening meal, tents were going up, stoves being erected, tables spread and set in the open air, tepees erected, and by six o'clock a perfect canvas city had sprung up in the heart of West End, London. Upon the flagstaff, the starry banner had been run up and was floating in the breeze, and the cowboy band rendering the national airs of America amid the shouts and cheers of thousands who lined the walls streets and housetops of the surrounding neighborhood this was most gratifying to the newcomers and in answer to the hearty plaudits of the english colonel cody ordered the band to play god save the queen and the wild west was at home in london the first camp meal being necessarily eaten in full view of the crowd the dining tents not being ready was a novel sight to them "'from the motley population of Indians, cowboys, scouts, Mexicans, etc. "'The meal was finished by seven o'clock, "'and by nine o'clock the little camp was complete, "'and its tired occupants, men, women, and children, "'were reposing more snugly, safely, and peacefully "'than they had done in many weeks. "'Trivial as these details may appear at first sight, THE RAPIDITY WITH WHICH THE WILD WEST HAD TRANSPORTED ITS MATERIALS FROM DOCK TO DEPOT, AND DEPOT TO GROUND, HAD AN IMMENSE EFFECT UPON THE PEOPLE OF LONDON. A NUMBER OF NOTABLE VISITORS PRESENT, especially THE REPRESENTATIVES OF THE PRESS, EXPRESSED GREAT ASTONISHMENT AT THE ENTERPRISE OF THE AMERICANS, AND COMMUNICATED THAT FEELING THROUGHOUT LONDON. THE YANKEES MEAN BUSINESS, WAS THE EXPRESSION HEARD UPON ALL SIDES as the wild west was not to open its exhibition for several days after its arrival colonel cody and mr salisbury had an opportunity of meeting many distinguished persons in england who called upon them and who afterward proved most friendly and hospitable among these prominent persons was mr henry irving who had witnessed the wild west performance at staten island and paved the way in a great measure for its success in london by speaking in the kindest terms to a representative of the great dramatic organ the era it may not be amiss to hear quote his remarks mr irving said in the era i saw an entertainment in new york the like of which i had never seen before which impressed me immensely it is coming to london it is an entertainment in which the whole of the most interesting episodes of life on the extreme frontier of civilization in america are represented with the most graphic vividness and scrupulous detail you have real cowboys with bucking horses real buffaloes and great hordes of steers which are lassoed and stampeded in the most realistic fashion imaginable then there are real indians who execute attacks upon coaches driven at full speed no one can exaggerate the extreme excitement and go of the whole performance it is simply immense and i venture to predict that when it comes to london it will take the town by storm among other early callers upon the wild west and who gave their influence and friendly aid in london were genial john l tool miss ellen terry Mr. Justin McCarthy, United States Minister Phelps, Consul General Governor Thomas Waller, Deputy Consul Moffat, Mr. Henry La M.P., Miss Mary Anderson, Mrs. Brown Potter, Mr. Charles Wyndham, Lord Ronald Gower, Sir Cundiff Owen, Lord Henry Paget, Lord Charles Beresford, the Grand Duke Michael of Russia, Lady Monckton sir francis knollys private secretary to the prince of wales colonel clark colonel montague lady alice becky whom the indians afterward named the sunshine of the camp lord strathmore lord windsor lady randolph churchill mrs john w mackay and a host of distinguished american residents in london who also visited the camp before the regular opening of the wild west and by their expressions of friendship, gave encouragement for success in the future. The sight of the Indians, cowboys, American girls, and Mexicans, with Buffalo Bill as chief, was most attractive to Londoners, while the English love of horsemanship, feats of skill and fondness for sports, presaged an appreciative community. The press was also most generous the columns of the papers teeming daily with information so eulogistic that the wild westerners were afraid they would never be able to come up to expectations fifty large scrapbooks filled to repletion with press notices now form a conspicuous part of colonel cody's library at scouts rest ranch the london illustrated news in connection with two pages of illustration is drawn upon for the following extract it is certainly a novel idea for one nation to give an exhibition devoted exclusively to its own frontier history or the story enacted by genuine characters of the dangers and hardships of its settlement upon the soil of another country three thousand miles away yet this is exactly what the americans will do this year in london and it is an idea worthy of that thoroughgoing and enterprising people we frankly and gladly allow that there is a natural and sentimental view of the design which will go far to obtain for it a hearty welcome in england the progress of the united states now the largest community of the english race on the face of the earth though not in political union with great britain yet intimately connected with us by social sympathies by a common language and literature by ancestral traditions and many centuries of common history by much remaining similarity of civil institutions laws morals and manners by the same forms of religions by the same attachments to the principles of order and freedom and by the mutual interchange of benefits in a vast commerce and in the materials and sustenance of their staple industries is a proper subject of congratulation for the popular mind in the united kingdom does not regard and will never be taught to regard what are styled imperial interests those of mere political dominion as equally valuable with the habits and ideas and domestic life of the aggregate of human families belonging to our own race the greater numerical proportion of these already exceeding sixty millions are inhabitants of the great american republic while the english-speaking subjects of queen victoria number a little above forty-five millions including those in canada and australasia and scattered among the colonial dependencies of this realm it would be unnatural to deny ourselves the indulgence of a just gratification in seeing what men of our own blood men of our own mind and disposition in all essential respects though tempered and sharpened by more stimulating conditions with some wider opportunities for exertion have achieved in raising a wonderful fabric of modern civilization and bringing it to the highest prosperity across the whole breadth of the western continent from the atlantic to the pacific ocean we feel sure that this sentiment will prevail in the hearts of hundreds of thousands of visitors to buffalo bill's american camp about to be opened at the west end of london and we take it kindly of the great kindred people of the united states that they now send such a magnificent representation to the motherland determined to take some part in celebrating the jubilee of her majesty the queen who is the political representative of the people of great britain and ireland the tone of this article strikes the same chord as the whole of the comments of the english press It divested the Wild West of its attributes as an entertainment simply, and treated the visit as an event of first-class international importance, and a link between the affections of the two kindred nations such as had never before been forged. End of chapter 22 Recording by Linda Johnson